0: Chapter two of Captives of the Flame by Samuel R. Delaney. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perrard. Chapter two. It had been silent for sixty years. Then, above the receiving stage in the laboratory tower of the Royal Palace of Toromon, the great transparent crystal sphere glowed. On the stage, a blue haze shimmered red flame shot through the mist a net of scarlet contracting pulsing outlining the recognizable pattering of veins and arteries along the running fires the shadow of bones formed a human skeleton in the blue till suddenly the shape was laced with sudden silver the net of nerves that held the body imprisoned in sensation the blue became opaque then the black-haired man barefooted in rags staggered forward to the rail and held on for a moment above the crystal faded he blinked his eyes hard before he looked up he looked around all right he said out loud where the hell are you he paused okay okay i know i'm not supposed to get dependent on you i guess i'm all right now aren't i Another pause. Well, I feel fine. He let go of the rail and looked at his hands, back and palms. Dirty as hell, he mumbled. Wonder where I can get washed up. He looked up. Yeah, sure, why not? He ducked under the railing and vaulted to the floor. Once again he looked around. So I'm really in the castle. After all these years, I never thought I'd see it. Yeah, I guess it really is." He started forward, but as he passed under the shadow of the great ribbon's end, something happened. He faded. At least the exposed parts of his body, head, hands, and feet, faded. He stopped and looked down. Through his ghost-like feet he could see the rivets that held down the metal floor he made a disgusted face and continued toward the door once in the sunlight he solidified again there was no one in the hall he walked along ignoring the triptych of silver partitions that marked the consultant chamber a stained glass window further on rotated by silent machinery flung colors over his face as he passed a golden disc chronometer fixed in the ceiling behind a carved crystal face said 10.30. Suddenly, he stopped in front of a book cabinet and opened the glass door. Here's the one, he said out loud, again. Yeah, I know we haven't got time, but it will explain it to you better than I can. He pulled a book from the row of books. We used this in school, he said, a long time ago. The book was Catham's revised history of Tarumon he opened the sharp-skinned cover and flipped a few pages into the text. From a few libraries that survived the great fire, from which we will date all subsequent events. Civilization was reduced beyond barbarism, but eventually the few survivors on the island of Toron established a settlement, a village, a city. Now they pushed to the mainland and the shore became the central source of food for the island's population which now devoted itself to manufacturing on the coast farms and fishing villages flourished on the island science and industry became sudden factors in the life of Toramon, now an empire beyond the plains at the coast explorers discovered the forest people who lived in the strip of jungle that held in its crescent the stretch of mainland They were a mutant breed, gigantic in physical stature, peaceful in nature. They quickly became part of Toramund's empire with no resistance. Beyond the jungle were the gutted fields of lava and dead earth, and it was here that the strange metal Tetron was discovered. A great empire has a great crime rate, and our penal system was used to supply miners for the Tetron. Now technology leapt ahead, and we developed many uses for the power that could be released from the Tetron. Then, beyond the lava fields, we discovered what it was that had enlarged the bodies of the forest people, what it was that had killed all green things beyond the jungle. Lingering from the days of the Great Fire, a wide strip of radioactive land still burned all around the lava fields, cutting us off from further expansion. Going toward that field of death, the plants became gnarled, distorted caricatures of themselves. Then only rock. Death was long if a man ventured in and came back. First, immense thirst. Then the skin dries out. Blindness, fever, madness, at last death. This is what awaited the transgressor. It was... At the brink of the radiation barrier in defiance of death the telfer was established it was far enough away to be safe yet near enough to see the purple glow at the horizon over the broken hills at the same time experiments were being conducted with elementary matter transmission and as a token to this new direction of science the transit ribbon was commissioned to link the two cities It was more a gesture of the solidarity of Torelman's empire than a practical appliance. Only three or four hundred pounds of matter could be sent at once, or two or three people. The transportation was instantaneous, and portended a future of great exploration to any part of the world, with theoretical travel to the stars then at seven thirty two on an autumn evening sixty years ago a sudden increase in the pale light was observed in the radiation saturated west by the citizens of Telfar. seven hours later the entire sky above Telfar was flickering with streaks of pale blue and yellow evacuation had begun already but in three days Telfar was dead the sudden rise in radiation has been attributed to many things in theory, but as yet an irrefutable explanation is still wanted. The advance of the radiation stopped well before the Tetron mines. However, Telfer was not lost to toron for good, and... John suddenly closed the book. You see, he said, that's why I was afraid when I saw where I was. That's why... He stopped, shrugged, you're not listening he said and put the book back on the shelf down the hallway fifty feet two ornate stairways branched right and left he waited with his hands shoved into his pockets looking absently toward another window like a person waiting for someone else to make up his mind but the decision was not forthcoming at last belligerently he started up the stairway to the left halfway up he became a little more cautious his bare feet padding softly his broad hand preceding him wearily on the banister he turned down another hallway where carved busts and statues sat in niches in the walls a light glowing blue behind those to the left yellow behind those to the right a sound from around a corner sent him behind a pink marble mermaid playing with a garland of seaweed. The old man who walked by was carrying a folder and looked serenely and patiently preoccupied. John waited without breathing the space of three ordinary breaths. Then he ducked out and sprinted down the hall. At last he stopped before a group of doors. Which one? he demanded. This time he must have gotten an answer, because he went to one opened it, and slipped in. Oscar had pulled the silken sheet over his head. He heard several small clicks and tiny brushing noises, but they came through the fog of sleep that had been washing back over him since Chargill's departure. The first sound, definite enough to wake him, was water against tile. He listened to it for nearly two minutes through the languid veil of fatigue. It was only when it stopped that he frowned, pushed back the sheet, and sat up. The door to his private bath was open. The light was off, but someone, or a thing, was apparently finishing a shower. The windows of his room were covered with thick drapes, but he hesitated to push the button that would reel them back from the sun. He heard the rings of the shower curtain sliding along the shower rod, the rattle of the towel rack, silence a few whistled notes suddenly he saw that dark spots were forming on the great fur rug that sprawled across the black stone floor one after another footprints incorporeal footprints were coming toward him slowly when they were about four feet away from his bed he slammed the flat of his palm on the button that drew back the curtains sunlight filled the room like bright water. And, standing in the last pair of footprints, was the sudden, naked figure of a man. He leapt at Osk as the king threw himself face down into the mound of pillows, and tried to scream at the same time. Immediately he was caught, pulled up, and the edge of a hand was thrust into his open mouth, so that when he bit down, he chopped the inside of his cheeks will you keep still stupid a voice whispered behind him the king went limp there now just a second a hand reached past uske's shoulder pressed the button on the night table by the bed and the curtain swept across the window the hand went out as if it had been a flame now you keep still and be quiet the pressure released and the king felt the bed give as the weight lifted he held still for a moment then he whirled around there wasn't anyone there where do you keep your clothes huh you always were about my size over there there in that closet the bodiless footprints padded over the fur rug and the closet door opened hangers slid along the rack the bureau at the back of the closet was opened this'll do fine i didn't think i was ever going to get into decent clothes again just a second there was the sound of tearing thread this jacket will fit me all right once i get these shoulder pads out of it something came out of the closet dressed now a human form only without head or hands now that i'm decent open up those curtains and throw some light around the place the standing suit of clothes waited well come on open the curtains slowly reached for the button a freshly shaven young man with black hair stood in the sunlight examining his cuffs an open brocade jacket with metalwork filigree covered a white silk shirt that laced over a wide v neck the tight gray trousers were belted with a broad strip of black leather and fastened with a gold disc. The black boots, opened at the toe and heel, were topped with similar discs. John Kosher looked around. It's good to be back. Who? What are you? whispered Osk. Loyal subject of the crown, said John. You squid-brained clam! usk sputtered think back about five years to when you and i were in school together a flicker of recognition showed in the blond face you remember a kid who was a couple of years ahead of you and got you out of a beating when the kids in the mechanics class were going to gang up on you because you'd smashed a high frequency coil on purpose "'And remember you dared that same kid to break into the castle "'and steal the royal herald from the throne room? "'In fact, you gave him the fireblade to do it, too. "'Only that wasn't mentioned in the trial. "'Did you also alert the guards that I was coming? "'I was never quite sure of that part.' "'Look,' began Osk, "'you're crazy.' "'I might have been a little crazy then.' but five years out in the Tetron mines has brought me pretty close to my senses. You're a murderer. It was in self-defense and you know it. Those guards that converged on me weren't kidding. I didn't kill him on purpose. I just didn't want to get my head seared off. So you seared one of their heads off first. John Koshar, I think you're crazy. What are you doing here anyway? It would take too long to explain. But believe me, the last thing I came back for was to see you again. So you come in, steal my clothing? Suddenly he laughed. Of course. I'm dreaming all this. How silly of me. I must be dreaming. John frowned. Usk went on. I must be feeling guilty about that whole business when we were kids. "'You keep on disappearing and appearing. "'You can't possibly be more than a figment of my imagination. "'Koshar! "'The name, of course, that's the name of the people "'who are giving the party that I'm going to once I wake up. "'That's the reason for the whole thing.' "'What party?' John demanded. "'Your father is giving it for your sister. "'Yes, that's right. "'You had quite a pretty sister.' "'I'm going back to sleep now, and when I wake up, you're to be gone. "'Do you understand? What a silly dream. "'Just a moment. Why are you going?' "'Usk snuggled his head into the pillow. "'Apparently your father has managed to amass quite a fortune. "'Chargill says I have to treat him kindly "'so we can borrow money from him later on. "'Unless I'm dreaming that up, too.' You're not dreaming, Usk opened one eye, closed it again, and rolled over onto the pillow. Tell that to my cousin, the Duchess of Petra. She was dragged all the way from her island estate to come to this thing. The only people who are getting out of it are mother and my kid brother, Lucky Starfish. Go back to sleep, said John. Go away, said Usk he opened his eyes once more to see john push the button that pulled the curtains and then the headless handless figure went to the door and out uska shuddered and pulled the covers up again john walked down the hall behind the door to one room that he did not enter the red-headed duchess of petra was standing by the window of her apartment gazing over the roofs of the city the great houses of the wealthy merchants and manufacturers over the hive-like buildings which housed the city's doctors clerks secretaries and storekeepers down to the reeking clapboard and stone alleys of the devil's pot the early sun lay flame in her hair and whitened her pale face she pushed the window open a bit and the breeze waved her blue robe as she absently fingered a smoky crystal set in a silver chain around her neck john continued down the hall three doors away the old queen lay on the heap of overstuffed mattresses nestled in the center of an immense four-poster bed her white hair was coiled in two buns on either side of her head her mouth was slightly open and a faint breath hissed across the white lips on the wall above the bed hung the portrait of the late king Alson, sceptered, official and benevolent in a set of rooms just beside the queen mother's chamber let prince of the royal blood heir apparent to the empire of toromon and half a dozen more was sitting in just his pajama top on the edge of his bed knuckling his eyes the thin limbs of the thirteen year old were still slightly akimbo with natural awkwardness and sleep like his brother, he was blond and slight, still blinking. He slipped into his underwear and trousers, pausing a moment to check his watch. He fastened the three snaps on his shirt, turned to the palace intercom, and pressed a button. I overslept, Petra. Let apologized. Anyway, I'm up now. You must learn to be on time. Remember, you are heir to the throne of Toromon. You mustn't forget that. Sometimes I wish I could, replied Let. Sometimes. Never say that again, came the sudden command through the tiny intercom. Do you hear me? Never even let yourself think that for a moment. I'm sorry, Petra, Let said. His cousin, the Duchess, had been acting strangely since her arrival two days ago. Fifteen years his senior, she was still the member of the family to whom he felt closest. Usually with her, he could forget the crown that was always being pointed to as it dangled above his head. His brother was not very healthy, nor even, as some rumoured, all in his proper mind. Yet now it was Petra herself who was pointing out the gold circlet of Torlman's kingship. It seemed a betrayal, "'Anyway,' he went on, "'here I am. What did you want?' "'To say good morning.' The smile in the voice brought a smile to Let's face, too. "'Do you remember that story I told you last night "'about the prisoners in the Tetron lines?' "'Sure,' said Let, who had fallen asleep thinking about it, "'the ones who were planning an escape. "'She had sat in the garden with him, for an hour after dark, regaling him with the harrowing details of three prisoners' attempt to escape the penal mines. She had terminated it at the height of suspense, with the three men crouching by the steps in the darkness and the drizzling rain, waiting to make their dash into the forest. You said you were going to go on with it this morning. Do you really want to hear the end of the story? Of course I do. I couldn't get to sleep for hours thinking about it. Well, said Petra, when the guard changed and the rope tripped him up when he was coming down the steps, the rear guard ran around to see what had happened, as planned, and they dashed through the searchlight beam, into the forest, and she paused. Anyway, one of them made it. The other two were caught and killed. Huh? said Let. Is that all? That's about it, said Petra. "'What do you mean?' Let demanded. Last night's version had contained detail upon detail of the prisoner's treatment, their efforts to dig a tunnel, the precautions they took, along with an uncannily vivid description of the scenery that had made him shiver as though he had been in the leaky, rotten-walled shacks. "'You can't just finish it up like that,' he exclaimed. "'How did they get caught? Which one got away?' was it the chubby one with the freckles how did they die unpleasantly petra answered no the chubby one with the freckles didn't make it they brought him and the one with the limp back that morning in the rain and dropped them in the mud outside the barracks to discourage further escape attempts oh said let what about the one who did make it he asked after a moment Instead of answering, she said, Let, I want to give you a warning. The prince stiffened a bit, but she began differently than he expected. Let, in a little while, you may be going on quite an adventure, and you may want to forget some things, because it will be easier, like being the prince of Toromon. But don't forget it, Let, don't. What? Sort of adventure, Petra. Again, she did not answer his question. Let, do you remember how I described the prison to you? What would you do if you were king and those prisoners were under your rule, with their rotten food, the rats, their fourteen hours of labor a day in the mines? Well, I don't know, Petra, he began, feeling as if something were being asked of him that he was reluctant to give. It was like when his history teacher expected him to know the answer on a question of government just because he had been born into it. I suppose I'd have to consult the council and see what Churchill said. It would depend on the individual prisoners and what they'd done, and, of course, how the people felt about it. Chargill always says you shouldn't do things too quickly. I know what Chargill says, said the Duchess quietly. Just remember what I've said, will you? What about the third man, the one who escaped? He came back to Turum. He must have had a lot more adventures. What happened to him, Petra? Come on, tell me actually said petra he managed to bypass most of the adventures he came very quickly let me see after they dashed across the searchlit area they ducked into the jungle almost immediately the three got separated the black-haired one got completely turned around and wandered in the wrong direction until he had gone past the mines out of the forest and across the rocky stretch of ground beyond A good five miles. By the time it was light enough to see, he suddenly realized he had been wandering toward the radiation barrier. Because in the distance, like a black skeleton on the horizon, were the abandoned ruins of Telfar, the dead city. Shouldn't he have been dead from the radiation? That's exactly what he figured. In fact, he figured... If he was close enough to see the place, he should have been dead a few miles back. He was tired. The food they'd taken kept him from being hungry. But he was definitely alive. Finally, he decided that he might as well go toward the city. He took two steps more, when suddenly he heard something. There was silence over the intercom. After he had allowed sufficient time for a dramatic pause. Let asked. "'What was it? What did he hear?' "'If you ever hear it,' Petra said, "'you'll know it.' "'Come on, Petra, what was it?' "'I'm quite serious,' Petra said. "'That's all I know of the story, and that's all you need to know. Maybe I'll be able to finish it when I come back from the party tonight.' "'Please, Petra?' That's it He paused for a minute. Petra is the adventure I'm supposed to have the war? Is that why you're reminding me not to forget? I wish it were that simple, Let. Let's say that's part of it. Oh, said Let. Just promise to remember the story and what I've said. I will, said Let, wondering. I will John walked down a long spiral staircase, nodded to the guard at the foot, passed into the castle garden, paused to squint at the sun, and went out the gate. Getting in was a lot more difficult. End of chapter 2